nadie como tú, Señor. No hay nadie como tú, Señor. Tú eres bueno. Y tú estás con nosotros. No hay nadie como tú. Lord, we lift up your name. And if we had a thousand languages that we could speak, they would not be sufficient to describe how great you are. You heal. You bind up. You encourage and strengthen. You are a good God. You are just and holy and good. And so we come to you as our King and as our Lord, as our God. And we run to you and ask, O oh God, that you would lead, direct, and move us so that we might draw unto you, that we might worship you, that we might know you, just because you're glorious and wonderful. So, Father, I pray that in this place, Lord, that healing would take place in the name of Jesus, that hearts would be transformed in the name of Jesus, that lives would be stirred up for the sake of Jesus, that our affections would be stirred for your glory in the name of Jesus, that everything that we say, hear, and do would serve to glorify you in the name that is matchless and perfect, that precious name of Jesus. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Regret is one of the most painful emotions you will ever feel, ever. And so we're in a new series called Christmas is Forgiving. And I want you to know that um, this issue, idea, concept of forgiving those who have harmed us is not uh, a small one. It's, we have people that we love dearly who have harmed us, hurt us, wounded us. And it's, it's not that they just wounded us once. Sometimes it, it's again and again. Sometimes it's over and over. Sometimes we find it very difficult to forgive. Today we're going to talk about this. And just so you, if you have to go to the bathroom before I'm done, or you have to put some, you know, go and get to the restaurant where you're going, listen to me. Today, the big idea is I want you to forgive. I understand that we come from different backgrounds and we say, well, God, you know, Pastor, you don't know what I'm, I've gone through. You don't know what I've experienced. You don't know how bad I've been wounded. You don't know what they did to me over and over and over again. Listen to me. In Jesus' name, forgive. But you don't understand. This, isn't, this didn't just happen once. This happened continuously. I know. I know. Forgive. But I can't forgive. They've, what they've done to me is too great. Listen to me. Forgive. And so we're going to be talking through that. And I'm going to try to answer some of, the, some of the objections that we would have to forgiving others. But in the end, God's word is asking us to forgive. Last week, get the CD. I wish, I, in the last service, I talked so much about last week's service. I ran out of time for this. So there's a lot of stuff. Get the CD. You, if you, if you want to have it like right now, you can purchase the CD for a very little price. We just, because we have to replenish the funds for the CD and the ink and all that. Um, but you can get it for free on the internet, podcast, and on the uh, website, um, rhowbk.org, rhowbk.org. So you can get it from there. But let me just briefly tell you something. When you hurt me, when you are wounded, you create a new relationship. We talked about this last week. The relationship that's created is debtor, debtee. It's no longer mom, dad, uncle, cousin, sister, brother, friend, coworker, uh, sponsor, sponsee. It's no longer those things. It becomes something different. It becomes debtor, debtee. You have made a withdrawal from my soul. Now, we know that when other people have hurt us, that there's a debtor-debt-e relationship, that the books, 
they get open and a ledger gets recorded. And we say, you know, so-and-so, you know, Sally Jones, on Tuesday, 3 p.m., said, did, so-and-so, right? And so we write that in our ledger and we keep that in our mind and the ledger's in our mind and we just write it out. And we know that there's a debtor-deady relationship. In fact, this is so deep in our culture, we even have phrases for it. We talked about it last week, remember? We say things like, you owe me an apology. Why? Because we know that a debtor-deady relationship has started. We say other things like, especially if we're really bitter, we say, I'll pay you back. Why? Because we know that there's a debtor, debt, you have made a withdrawal from my soul in which I feel the need to be repaid. Now, what we discovered last week also is that this is created, but many things that have, many harms that have befallen us, many wounds that we have received can never be paid back, can they? You can't give me my virginity back. You can't give me my happily ever after back. You can't give me my desire to be with my husband or with my wife for the rest of my life. You can't give me that back. You can't give me back my first marriage. You can't give me back my health. Some wounds that we received, if those who have wounded us came back to us and said, I want to make it right, I want to pay you back, bah, listen, you can't give me 13 again. You can't, you can't. So here, God has an idea. Since, since they owe you and they can't pay you back, here's an idea. God says, why don't you close the books? Why don't you cancel the debt? Why don't you forgive the offense? But that's easier said than done, is it not? So last week, again, if you weren't here, what I asked you was to do three things. One, write the name of the person who harmed you. How on earth will you forgive if you don't identify? Secondly, write what they harmed you with. What, write what they owe you particularly. What I just said is an example of uh, what people owe me. You owe me my first marriage. You owe me a happily ever after. You owe me wisdom at the age of 13 so I wouldn't have to go out and try to find this wisdom on the street with my friends and it just led to terrible places. You, you owe me that. You owe being there. Everybody else's parents were there. You weren't there for me. I just, you. I don't know. You owe me security. When you violated me, I've never been safe ever since. You owe me. What do they owe you? So we said last week, and boy, I wish you'd... If you weren't here last week, would you just go get it for free? I'm not making no money. Just go on the internet, get it. It'll help you. It'll serve you. What do they owe you? Who owes you? What do they owe you? And then start praying for them. Now, this, I get some pushback, and you go, oh, no. I am not praying for them. I understand. I understand. Now, I wouldn't be telling you to do this impossible thing if A, Jesus didn't command it, and B, Jesus didn't strengthen you to do it. Now, the message that I'm talking to today, for for clarity's sake, is geared for Christ followers. What do I mean by that? I mean that if you've bowed the knee to Christ, you say, Jesus, you're my Lord, my King, my Savior, you're the boss of my life. You can overrule me. I follow you. If that's you, this message is for you. If not, then you're sort of, how would I say off? Because now to say you're off the hook means that you're crazy. Um, but it, to say that you're off the hook, like you're, 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 you don't, you're, you're not accountable. How's that? That's a better. You're not accountable if you, don't, if you don't follow Christ. If he's not your Lord, your King, your Savior, your God, then you could just listen in and determine whether you want to be a Christian or not. But for the Christian, this is a command. We're commanded to give, not for the spiritual person, not for the person who's uh, sensitive, who meditates, who doesn't. No, 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 for, for the Christ follower, for the disciples of Jesus Christ. This one is a command. And so um, God is commanding us uh, to forgive. So first thing I'm going to do is 
in a few, in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to ask me your questions about why forgive or how do you forgive or, you know, just ask your questions about forgiveness. Because before we get to the text, I want to address some of those things because I think that those are the, some of the things that you're going to be fighting with me. I'm going to read three of them. And then you can ask me your own. Is that fair? Are you thinking about them? It's interactive. All right? So just, don't just sit there. I want you to engage with God's word. The first question um, that we'll answer is forgiving, trusting. Now, this gets asked in a million different ways. You know, um, uh, the, when I forgive them, does it mean that I have to trust them? Now, listen, this is a very powerful question. Now, here, here it is. Forgiveness is a command. You're ordered to do it. If you're in Christ, you're ordered to do it. Just, yes, sir, got to forgive. If you're a Christ follower. So forgiveness is not because you owe me. It's not because you're asking me for forgiveness. It's not because you're coming to me repentant. I am forgiving you. Because I'm commanded to. I'm obedient to Jesus. I've been forgiven much. That forgiveness overflows in my life and extends to you. Not because you deserve it. Not because you're kind. Not because you made it up to me. Not because you paid back the money that you stole. Not because of any of those things. But because I'm commanded to. Here, forgiveness. It's an act of grace. It's yours. You don't deserve it, merit it, or earn it. I give it to you. It's a gift. Trust is earned. Does that make sense? So, so trust, as you know, takes a lifetime to create, takes a moment to lose. Isn't that true? Right? You could say a thousand truths. I tell the truth a thousand times and say one lie. Right? And it just, it's just easy. Trust is easy to break. So, is forgiveness trusting? Not necessarily. But let me, th- okay, now let me just say this. Because... All right, I'm your pastor and I love you. I love you with all my heart. But some, some of us, when we come here, we come here with a heart that's bent on manipulating the people around us. And so it's a wicked thing. And we need to repent from it. So you'll listen to me. Now, I'm speaking to wounded people who need to forgive. But because you're the wolf, you're the wounder, you tell your wife or you tell your husband, you see what Pastor said, you got to forgive me. And to you, you are wicked and damnable, a demon from hell that needs to repent of his sin. That is awful. Don't do that. So repent. Good news, you can do it right now. Just say, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go in that direction. I am a wounded man talking to other wounded people, teaching them how to forgive. I'm not giving you license to force God's word to make, so you can beat someone over the head so that they could forgive you. Don't do that. I, I just rebuke you in the name of Jesus not to do that. So don't do that. Talking, who am I talking to? Christians, wounded Christians. That's who I'm talking to. So, forgiving is a grace thing. Trusting is an earned thing. If you are in a relationship, such, say, okay, let me give you two examples. Your boyfriend, girlfriend, let's call it girlfriend, right? Your girlfriend. Been going out with her for three weeks. She cheats on you. Newsflash, probably won't get much better than that, Okay. Okay. Just so you know, oh, I'll change. Yeah, no, three weeks into this? <laughs> okay, thank you. Don't call me, I'll call you, right? Now listen to me. Listen to me. Who was I just talking to? Boyfriend and girlfriends, wasn't I? Who was I not talking to? Marriages. So if you're married and something devastating like that, she goes away on a business trip, it's a three-week trip, you know, bad things happen, one night stand, boom, comes home. I'm not talking about the kind of fools who go, did you cheat on me? No, 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 no. Here's the video. No, no, no. It's like, you know, yeah, I'm not talking about those people. You run, like if they die like that, you need to run for the hill. But I'm talking about the people who you go, who you go, look, who go, I've, I've harmed you. Come back from the trip. I've sinned against you grievously. 
can we go to counseling? Can we go? I know I've done irreparable damage, but I don't want to lose this relationship. That person, you forgive because you're commanded to forgive. That's, that's immediate. And you start the process of trusting. And that, you know, in my situation, right? You know, if that, you know, and God forbid God should ever test me on these things, right? <laughs> but my wife, you know, like, you know, same thing, right? My wife does, you know, and goes out and, oh, God. You know, right? Because it's, it's a double whammy, right? Because A, I'm a guy, and B, I'm Puerto Rican, right? So that's, can I get any amens from the Puerto Rican guys in the joint? Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, Puerto Rican guys are, are, have nightmares if their wives held their, some guy's hand 15 years ago. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> Think I'm kidding. So, so that's me, right? So if it ever, so then it's, it's, it's like, okay, honey, here's the deal. You gotta answer the phone when I call. I don't care if you're in a business meeting. I don't care if you lose your job. You gotta answer because this is building trust. You know, you gotta give me um, access to your passwords because this is building trust. Not that I'm gonna go on your computer. I just, I just want you to know that I can, and that we're building trust, and that this is something that will develop. You, you understand that there's that trust is something that's built. Forgiveness is something that's gifted. Does that make sense? Okay, let's keep it moving. If they don't ask for forgiveness, no. Everything that I'm going to say to you is coming from God's word. It's not something I'm inventing. It's not like a Dr. Phil show or anything like that. This is from God's word. But here it is. How many of your sins were in the future when Jesus died for them? Every one of them. Every one of them. When were you forgiven all your sins? Before you were ever born. Jesus extends his forgiveness to you. So long before you ever, now let me ask you this. When you, when you were like, you know, when you were born, did you were, like, were you like, Jesus, I love Jesus? Is that you your whole life? No? Yeah. Is that you last month? I mean, for some of you, not so much. Right? So now watch this. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is a big deal. Jesus forgives long before you ever asked for forgiveness. So, wait, wait, wait. But they lied to me. Listen to me. Oh, wait. Jesus forgave me the lies that I, and you know the lies, right? Do I even have to bring them up, right? God, if you get me out of this one, I will do every, you know, I will, I will tithe, I'll wear a suit, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll come to church every Sunday, twice on Wednesday, and it's like, not so much, right? So, wait, Jesus has forgiven me my lies, because any sin that you can, listen to me, any sin that you commit to anybody else, you also commit to Jesus. You understand that, right? It's like if you sinned against my kids, you understand that you've sinned against me as well. You harm my kids, you understand that you've harmed me as well. You get that, right? So any sin that you've ever committed to anybody, Jesus takes it personal because they're his kids. So, Jesus, you forgive me these lies. I forgive them. Does that make sense? Even if they're not asking for it. Because you forgave me before I asked. You offered forgiveness to me. Before I ever asked it, I offer forgiveness to you before you ever ask it. Even if you never, and if you come from my family, you'll never ask for it. Never. And I forgive you anyway. Does forgiveness mean reestablishing the relationship? Does forgiveness necessarily mean reestablishing the relationship? Not necessarily. No. You're a trusted friend. I let you babysit my kids. You rape one. I forgive you because I'm commanded to. And I want to honor Jesus. And I've been much worse to Jesus than you could ever be to me or my children. However, you don't get to babysit again. You don't get to come by the house. You don't get to create an environment of danger around my children. Does that make sense? Right? Okay. Now, you have some questions. They're coming up in your head. Maybe, maybe it sparked something off. Um, shoot out a question. Okay. How do you, how do you forgive someone if they're no longer here? Right? They're, they're, they're passed away. They're dead. Or they're, or, or they're out of touch. It goes back to um, how forgiveness works. Forgiveness is not dependent on whether the person is present. Whether they're alive or dead. They could have harmed you uh, 50 years ago. Um, 
So does that make sense? It's not contingent. I'm not forgiving you for you to receive forgiveness. I mean, if you receive the forgiveness, just like Jesus forgave me long before I ever received the forgiveness, I'm extending the forgiveness to you, whether, whether or not you receive the forgiveness. So if you never receive the forgiveness, but I'm extending it to you because I'm commanded to, it's a grace thing and it's a blessing because then you don't beat me twice, right? Then you don't beat me when you sinned against me and then you don't beat me every day after, right? Some of us have a reoccurring sin happening against us, but it's not because they continually to sin against you. You just simply haven't forgiven, so you relive it. Okay, any other questions? Yep. How do you know, Jay, that's a great question. How do you know if you've really forgiven a person? That's going to be the stuff of what we do today. Now, here's the thing. When you have bitterness, unforgiveness, malice against someone, what happens is you tend to hold on to it for a while. Isn't it true? Yeah. So, number one, you need to be obedient to God's word, but you also need like a creative way of forgiving them. Let me give you my text for why I believe you need a creative way or a memorable way or a moment in time that you can point to about forgiveness. When Jesus died for our sins. Where was it? Anybody know where it was? No, no, no. When he, when he died for our sins, he died on a, on, on a cross, did he not? And he died on a cross on a hill called Calvary. Everybody remember that? It was a, so now, when Satan comes up to Jesus and he says, you see Susie? You see how promiscuous she's being? You see Johnny? You see he's going back to using? You see Sue? She's, she's going back to her, 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 her ways and all that other stuff? Jesus has a way of pulling back from the path and go, oh, but wait, I paid for that on the cross. I paid for that on the cross. Now watch this. This is powerful. You and I need a memorable moment like that. And we're going to create that for you today. Okay? So that's a little bit ahead in the next, in the, in the message. Any other questions? Bang. Right. Okay, now this is a great question. I know that, I've, I, I know that in, in, to a certain extent I've forgiven others, but how do I forgive myself? Okay, this is very key. You, the, way you, the way you forgive yourself, and I, I'm not sure I would use exactly those words, but just to use your words. The way you forgive yourself is by going to a higher authority. Here's what I mean by that. I've sinned, and it's a grievous sin. I feel terrible about it. Right Now, I have my opinion about the sin, and God has his opinion about the sin. Now, if I'm in Christ, I'm forgiven. Right? Now, whose opinion matters more? Mine's or Jesus's? Are you sure? No, come on now. Some of you don't believe that. Are you sure? Okay, so Jesus is, right, Jesus's opinion is more important than mine. So Jesus says, I'm forgiven. Now, do I overrule Jesus? That's the question. Sometimes in the thinking we do, right? So here's what we do. We call that what it is. A sin. The sin of idolatry. Here's what I mean by that. When I refuse to forgive myself over something Jesus has forgiven me for, what I'm saying is that my opinion is more valid, important, and, and holds more weight than Jesus. So I go, Jesus... Forgive me for this sin. Because the sin here is not that I haven't forgiven myself. The sin here is that I'm an idolater. I worship my own opinion more than yours. And so I'm going I'm, I'm to turn back from that. And by faith, I receive your forgiveness. Not because I deserve it, merit it, earn it. But because you're really, really good. He is. Any others? What happens when you're in a situation where someone uh, offends you, but they don't acknowledge it or aren't even aware of it, right? Like I step on your toes. You know how you know? It hurts. You know why I don't know? It doesn't affect me at all. At all. And some of you, I just explained some of your marriages, 
Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, why, she, why doesn't she know she's hurting me? Yeah, because she's stepping on your toes or he's stepping on your toes. They don't know. It only hurts you. Now, here's the thing. Forgiveness is not contingent upon the other person. Now, we go back to trust. Hey, and, that, and, this is, and some of this needs a lot more counseling than I'm giving you right now. But I'm acting, if you were in my office, this is what I would, this is how I would discuss this with you. If you offend me, and it's a continuous thing, I need to be able to say, this hurts my feelings. I'll give you an example. I was having, just recently, I was having a very strong, with a person that I love so much that my bones hurt. That's how much I love this, this guy. And so we're having a discussion, and in, it's pretty strong discussion. There's some strong opinions being shared here. And he turns his back on me. He turns his back on me. In my culture... That's a very serious offense. Like if you were in France and somebody took off a glove and slapped you across the face, <laughs> that's, that's what turning your back on me feels like in my world, right, in my culture. So I was able, now, they've done this before. So I lowered my, I intentionally lowered my voice because I knew that I was animated and emotional about that move. And I said, in my culture, that's a grave offense. Now, they weren't necessarily like, oh, I'm so sorry, but they were like, well, that's not what I meant. And then they turned back to me. That's, so if it's a reoccurring thing, something like that, then you know, it's easily corrected by communication. Some things are reoccurring things, not because uh, it's a mistake or they don't know, because they're evil. They're evil. Now, what do we do with people who are malicious? How do... First thing we do is, what we, what's the first thing? Anybody know? Pardon. You forgive. You forgive the, immediately. Why? Because why, why do you forgive? Because we've been forgiven. Jesus commands us to forgive. It's an overflow of the forgiveness he's given us. Now watch this. With those people who are, 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 have malice against us, there are three, I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. This is how you deal with those people. There are locks, police, and guns. That's how you deal with them, okay? For malicious, malicious people who have harm, evil people. I'm talking about, who am I talking about? I'm talking about evil people. People who are trying to hurt your kids. People who are trying to rob your house. People who are trying to uh, take uh, your wife or take your husband. There's three solutions for those people. There are locks, police, and guns. Now, because some of y'all are crazy... Only the laughing people are crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> here's what I mean. Here's what that looks like practically. A person breaks into your house. Maybe they were a friend at one time. Breaks into your house. Starts stealing stuff. Locks. You lock the window. You lock the doors. You get a better security system, cameras, and all that other stuff. That's locks. They break into your house. They steal something. That's police. You see them breaking into your house. They, they go to jail for five years, and now you see them coming through the window again. Load the gun. Do you understand? Do you understand? Someone, uh, so you, you go and testify against someone, and they say, when I get out of jail, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get you. And you go, okay, they're in jail for 12 years. You find out, and all of a sudden, you see them in front of your house. Right? You go upstairs, you lock the door, you call the police, you load the gun. Does this make sense? So, but those are, this is a very rare, this is a very rare, now watch this. Very rare, right? Because what's going to happen? One of you knuckleheads are going to give this talk, oh, you should listen to Pastor Ed, and this is all you're going to hear of the message, right? The whole message, I'm going, forgive, forgive, and you're talking about one for your mother, one for your father, one for your... That's not what we're doing here. That is such... A, I'm talking about evil, malicious people. We probably haven't met one or two in our entire lives. And we haven't met any that we couldn't address with the first two. I'm talking about someone's going to rape you, someone's going to rape your children, Someone's going, that, that's the extreme. You, you defend your family, is what I mean. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
It doesn't matter. Some of y'all are still going to... I'm going to have to go to your court trial because you shot somebody for scratching your car. Pastor Edmund said guns. I was like... All right. Okay, so with that being said, are there any other questions that you have? We're going to just run... Okay, go. That's great. When you forgive someone, do you have to love them the way God loves us? Depends on what you mean um, by love. Right, it's an overflow of the forgiveness we've been... Right, now, good question. We're bleeding into re- the relationship one because it's very possible. It's very possible, for instance, for me to, oh, this is easy. I have family members that I can't get a return phone call from them, right? For, I mean, it's been a long time since I've used and all that other stuff, but I just can't get a return phone call. I'd, I burned that bridge too terribly, and I can't get a return phone call. I absolutely love them, but I don't have a relationship with them. Um, I, I'd like it, but I don't have it. So that might be the place that you find yourself in. I love you. I wish you well. I pray for you. I extend uh, forgiveness to you. But in some situations, it's not safe for me to be in the same room with you. It's not safe for me to communicate you with you by phone because you're malicious. Um, and so, like that. Now, uh, let me see if I can talk into one. Um, okay. All right. So I think we've answered those questions. All right. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to go into God's Word and we're going to see how God's Word, um, uh, how, many, how God's Word helps us heal from bitterness, anger, rage, malice, and all that. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand because we do that because it's God's word and it's like a big deal. All right. Now let's... I want you to read along. Unfortunately, we're not going to have, as you realize, we've had some technical difficulties, so it's not going to be on the screen, but we're reading from Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35. Now, the person who's speaking here, I need your full attention. I need your full attention as you're looking for the... The person who's speaking here is Jesus, Right? Pretty big deal. So Jesus is going to speak, and he's going to speak in a parable. Now, here's the thing. A parable is what you ask, what's a parable? A parable is a heavenly story, with, uh, or it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I mean, it's more than that, but it's not less. So now, here's, here's why it's important. When you read the Bible, if you read the Bible only one way, you will misread the Bible. Here's what I mean by that. When you read history, do you read history the same way you read science? Of course not. Of course not. When you read poetry, do you read it the same way you read the newspaper? Of course not. So when you read poetry, when God says, I wish to gather you under my wing, God is not saying that he's a chicken. Right? Oh, I wish I could gather you under my wing. No, no, no. God is using poetic language. When you and I say, you're the apple of my eye. We're not saying that you're a part of our anatomy. What we're saying is that you're, we have a great deal of affection for you. So, first thing is we're reading a parable. So, we can't pull every single detail out of the parable or else we'll miss it. Secondly, which is related to the first thing, is when you read a parable, it has one main idea. So, what happens, and this has happened throughout church history, people dissect the parable so much that you can actually walk away from this parable and think that you could lose your salvation. And nothing could be farther from the truth. This has nothing to do with losing or, or gaining your salvation. This has everything to do with forgiveness. And so we don't mind the parable for every single detail because that's not the way... Have you ever had a... Don't you hate when people do that when you're giving them an example? You know, you know what? When you hurt me, it's like you know, going to a restaurant. And, we're not in a restaurant. That's not the point. I'm trying to give you, you know, don't you hate when people do that? Yeah. God doesn't like it either. So don't do it. Okay? Just get the big idea. So the first, there's three things we need to know about parables. Number one, there's one main idea. Everybody say main idea. idea. That's right. Parables have one main idea. Secondly, we have to ask, who is God in the parable? Always. Someone represents God. We have to ask that question. And then we have to ask a more piercing question. Where am I? 
in the parable. Who is God? Where am I? What's the point? Who is God? Where am I? What's the point? What is it? Who is God? Where am I? What's the point? Whenever you hear Jesus speak a parable, ask those three questions. You can ask a fourth one. Where's Satan? But sometimes he doesn't show up. You can. But it's, who am I? Where is God? What's the point? With that, we're going to read Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. I'll read it to you. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. May God bless the hearing and the reading of his word. Pretty convicting, right? You almost could go home at this point, right? Like, okay, yeah, all right, I got a lot of work to do. I know, I know, me too. I was working on this. I don't work on uh, my sermons alone anymore. I work, on, I work on them with another pastor because, you know, we, we, you know that our how is a movement. And we plant churches in different places. So the same sermon that you're hearing now, if you were in Staten Island, you could hear the same thing. James preach it in Staten Island. It's pretty cool, right? Just because we're going to touch a lot of people's lives. It's, it's what you're investing in, and it's beautiful. Well, who's God in this parable? Anybody know? The master. Who are you? You could say wicked servant. Who are you? Yeah. And the point is simply to forgive. Who's, where's, who's God? Where am I? What's the point? God is the master who's benevolent and kind and gives us what we don't deserve. We are the wicked servant who've been forgiven much yet can't forgive a little. And the point is, forgive. Now let's look at it a little bit more closely. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, a couple of our translations, because this Greek word, you understand that the New Testament was written in Greek, and it has, uh, it has to be translated into English. The New Testament in Greek, the Old Testament in Hebrew, a little bit of Aramaic sprinkled in, but it's basically Greek and Hebrew, right? Uh, Greek, New Testament, Hebrew, Old Testament, okay. So when you translate some words, sometimes it doesn't come across. It's, not that it doesn't come across, it's difficult to translate. 
Some of your translations have 70 times. How many times should you forgive? You should forgive. Not seven times. Seventy times seven. Now, is Jesus' point that you should forgive over 400 times or 77 times? No, of course not. His point is that you should forgive over and over and over again. That's the point. The point is that don't stop forgiving. It's not easy to forgive. Now, here's the thing. Listen to me. Some of you right now are going, but you don't know my parents. You don't know what they did to me. They harmed me. And what you're talking about is insensitive. And I know that if I gave you that microphone right there and you came up here and you shared your story with us, every one of us would be in tears. And every one of us would be angry at the person that you shared it about. And in the end, every one of us would have to say, forgive. Because you've been forgiven. So that's the, uh, that's the sort of environment that Jesus has stepped into. Peter is asking a question. And Jesus not only answers this question, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, this is outrageous. This is such a ridiculous. You have to understand, to be a, a gracious, honorable Jewish boy at that time, you should forgive up to three times. So when Peter comes in and says seven times, he's being gracious Times two plus one. He's like going all out. He's like, he's, he's saying the impossible thing. Like it's a, how many times should we forgive? Seven times? And everybody's like, oh, gasp. Never. And Jesus says, no, 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 you missed the point. 77. 77 times seven. 7,777. Like, I'll, you should... Forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. So your question's about, how many times should I forgive? Yeah, yeah, it looks a lot like that. It looks like not keeping count. It looks like, listen to me. You know why? Because the question, the question that Peter is asking is really this. How can I keep the books? How can I keep the, how can I keep the books open? How can I keep the debt on log? That's what, how, how can I forgive and yet still hold on? to the resentment. That's what Peter is asking. And Jesus is saying, you missed my point. Close the books. Not seven times, 77 times. 7,000 times, 7 million times. You forgive and you forgive and you forgive. Then, after Jesus answers his question, he gives him a story. The parable that we just read. And in the parable, Jesus is trying to reinforce the the question that he just answered. So you understand the context? Peter asked the question, Jesus answered it, now he's giving him an illustration on trying to uh, understand his answer. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, what does money have to do, or settling accounts have to do with forgiveness? Everything when Jesus is talking about it. Because listen to me. Jesus knows intuitively, this is not something I made up, This is something that's been in God's words for thousands of years. That when you owe someone, that when you offend someone, you owe them a debt. So Jesus, when he's talking about forgiveness, talks about settling accounts, because he's telling you the same thing that I've just been telling you for two weeks. That when you sin against someone, you open up a log, and you write down in the ledger, and those accounts need to be settled. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like Jesus continues, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Look at me. Anybody know how much 10,000 bags of gold are? Yeah. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's meant to be an impossible number. Let's call it a billion dollars. Okay? Let's call it a hundred billion dollars. Let's call it a trillion dollars. It's an impossible, impossible... That's the point. The point is, is that here comes this guy who has an impossible-to-pay debt. A debt that he could never pay. Now, let me ask you a question. If you owe somebody $10,000 and you make 
$10,000 a year. Well, how long does it take? If you make $10,000 a year, how long does it take for you to earn $10,000? Anybody know? It takes a year, right? If you earn $10,000 a year, it takes $10,000. Now, if you make $10,000 a year and you owe someone $10,000, how long does it take for you to pay them back? Yeah, some of you, yeah, you, don't, you all have to look at some of your credit cards, right? Some of you are still paying for your brand new Windows 95 computer, right? Yeah, you're like paying it off. How long does it take to pay this $1,200 computer back? Yeah, I know, it's like Windows 8 now. But you're still paying off Windows 95. Why? Because it takes a longer time to, it takes a longer time to pay than to earn. Isn't that true? Sure. This guy owes an impossible amount. As he began the settlement, okay, verse 25, since he was not able to pay, obviously, the master ordered that he, his wife, his children, and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Now, even if all that happened, he still wouldn't have been able to come anywhere close to what he owed. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay everything back. I will pay back everything. Now, look at me. Can this guy pay this debt back? It's crazy. He knows that. His master knows that. Listen to what his master does. The servant's servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Took pity, canceled the debt, let him go. Just listen to me. That's a description of salvation for some of us. It's a description of salvation. God took pity on us, certainly not because we were asking for forgiveness. We were running in the other direction. God took pity Cancel the debt and restored us to relationship with him. That's what he's done for us. Jesus has, is not telling you to do anything that he hasn't already done for you. I love that. I used to have a boss that said, he would say this to me. He said, now, Edwin, I'll never ask you to do something that I haven't done myself. I love that. I love that. Jesus has done this for us. But when, the, when that servant went out, He found one of his fellow servants. Now watch this. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I skipped a verse. Verse 27. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Okay. Verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. So let's call the debt $1 billion. Okay? Let's Let's just brand the debt $1 billion. I've heard everything from $10 million to $100 million to a bunch of different things. But let's say it's a billion dollars. That's how much the guy owed. He found someone on the street who owed him $1,000. That's what he did. He found somebody on the street who owed him $1,000. Now, let me ask you something. To you, is $1,000 a lot of money? Anybody know? For me, it is. Right? I don't know how much you make. Y'all don't pay me that well. It's $1,000 to me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, $1,000 is a lot of money. Right? Do you get that? Here's what Jesus is saying. That the wounds that you and I receive are very real. I think there's two sides of the ship that we can fall off. We can either say, I'll never forgive you. I'll never uh, extend forgiveness. I'll never, uh, what you've done to me is too great. I'll never. There's that side. And then there's the other side that says, oh, it's no big deal. No problem. No worries. No, Jesus, Jesus doesn't want you to fall off of any side of that ship. What he wants you to do is he wants you to say, okay, yes, this, this sin is a real sin. And it really hurts. Now, uh, if you tell your kids you're not going to the park uh, with them, and you told them that you were going to go to the park with them, that's like the end of the world for them, right? You tell that to your wife, and she's like, all right, maybe tomorrow. Because different stages of maturity receive different stages of offenses different ways. Does that make sense? Some of us, we need to just accept that we're kind of, we haven't matured fully. And so there are small offenses that mean a great deal to us. And we need to simply accept that's where we're at. And and we don't need to compare them to, oh, but that person got, and that person forgave. No, no, no. My offenses are my offenses, and they're real to me. Your offenses are your offenses, and they're real to you. And that's fine. So this guy finds a guy who owes him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Let me ask you something. Is this guy look like a hero? 
at this point to serve him? No, he doesn't. Doesn't he, doesn't he sort of disgust you, and don't you shake your head at his actions? Here's the thing. Jesus is talking about you. And he's describing you in this way. He's not t- Listen, Jesus is talking to the person who's sitting in your seat, wearing your shirt. He's not talking to the person, oh man, I wish that Sylvia would have came here and heard this message. I got to get her the download. I wish my coworker could have came here. Boy, they could hear this, boy, because I need to forgive them for a lot. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to the person sitting in your seat. Jesus is describing you. Wicked. But he refused. Verse 30. But he refused, the master, the, 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 the servant. who was. Instead, he went off. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 29. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay back. Does that sound familiar at all? Just a few minutes before, that's where he was. Because here's what Jesus is illustrating. What Jesus is illustrating is that this guy received so much forgiveness. It's insane for him not to have extended forgiveness. Christian, listen to me. You've received so much forgiveness. It's ma- but I can't forgive them. I'm not, I'm, not, you know, I'm not there yet. Are you kidding? You sound like a wicked servant. Yeah, but I'm not mature enough. You know, I'm new at this. Yeah, you sound like a wicked servant. Yeah, but I'm not ready for this. You know, you, sound, do, you know five minutes ago you were forgiven $10 trillion? And you're really pissed off about this, this thousand bucks. You sound like a wicked servant. I, when I don't forgive, sound like a wicked servant. Yeah, but I'm not there yet. Wicked. But he refused. When the other ser- uh, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they, ha- they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called in the servant, you wicked servant. I canceled all the de- that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now, I I used to have a friend when I was growing up. I can't tell you his name because one day he might come to the church. He still lives in New York. Um, In growing up, he was, did you ever have a friend who was like, I don't know how to describe him, just like a skinny little mousy kid, right? But had a huge mouth and could get like anybody into it, like could get Mother Teresa into a throwdown, right? That's how bad this kid's mouth was, right? I had a friend like that, right? We're going to call him John. I don't know. We'll call him John. So me and John are hanging out again, and for the 413 times, someone offended him, cut him off at the McDonald's line. I don't know. And it's like, 12 guys there, right? And I'm thinking, I know he can't fight. So this is only going to take about one of them. That leaves 11 other cats here. And so have you ever been in that? Have you ever been in that situation? Yeah, me too. So I've always had the temptation, but I come from a neighborhood where loyalty is a big deal. I've always wanted to go, you know, because I always used to say, yo, chill. Be quiet. And then I would talk to the guys and I would try to intimidate them and hopefully it would, you know, kind of calm down. And it usually worked out fine. But they were, I had this temptation to just go, wow, that's bad. Do it. Wow, you a bad man. Do it. Knock him out. Woo. I want to see it. I always had the temptation. I never did it, but I wanted to do it. Listen. Never did it, but. One time I'm at a retreat. One time I'm at a retreat, and this emotion of unforgiving comes again. And it's with someone that I deeply, deeply love. And I start to have anxieties. This was a deep wound. You know the the kind of wounds when you think back on them, you have anxieties about? I started to build, and I started to cry. 
because I'm in a different state and I, this person is still hurting me. I'm at a stinking retreat for crying out loud. And I say, God, kill me. I can't take this anymore. Kill me. I can't do this anymore. I can't. And one word God brought down. It was, like a, it was almost like a lampshade coming down. And it had one word. It was tormentors. And I realized at that moment that God was referring to this scripture. And that it was as if God was like, you know, so Satan is over here uh, ready to ravage my life. And I'm over here and I go, I'm not going to forgive. You ain't going to do nothing. I'm not going to forgive. You ain't going to do nothing. And God is like holding him back and he's saying, chill, forgive, chill, forgive. And he's holding, no, this far and no further. And I'm going, I'm not going to forgive. You ain't going to do nothing. I'm not going to forgive. You ain't going to do nothing. And it's as if God goes, tormentors. That when you and I don't forgive, it's almost as if we open the door for Satan to ravage our lives, destroy our peace. This is why forgiveness is so important, guys. It's for your own good. Throw him over to the tormentors. This is how my Heavenly Father... I love this sentence. It's so powerful. It says, this is how my, my Heavenly Father will treat you unless... You forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Let me tell you what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying that forgiven people forgive. That the proof of forgiveness, the proof of forgiveness is that you forgive others. Yeah, but you don't know what to do. Yeah, mm -hmm, I get it. So, okay, we got to go. So let me, I'm going to tell you one story and then we're going to end. I'm going to help you with your forgiveness, okay? For the next five minutes, I need your undivided attention. Are you ready? So I'm on, a, I'm on a ship cruise. My wife earned, uh, uh, you know, my wife's like Midas. She called the person up, and they gave us. Like she said, oh, my husband's real stressed. You know, he's the pastor. Would you give him? They gave us a cruise. Have you ever been on a cruise? I've been on one because my wife got me on one for nothing, right? I went on a cruise. It was a seven-day Bahamas, all that stuff. It was pretty wonderful. I go on this cruise, and it's here that God wants to address my unforgiveness. I go, can we do this after Nassau? Because I really want to go and see the sights and, and, and all that other stuff. No, 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 no. God has to put me in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And so he's dealing with this. So I'm waking up early and I'm praying and I'm crying because this unforgiveness piece, I can't get through it. And I come up with four names. Remember last week I told you, do these three things. What, what, who are they? What do they owe you? Pray for them. Who are they? What do they owe you? Pray for them. So that's what I did. I wrote down their names and I, and I, and I, and I did it and and I wrote down, I was like, you owe me, you. And, you know, it was different people, right? You know, one person owed me purity, right? I can't get that back, right? You, you sexually assaulted me. I can't get my purity back. I can't. Another one, I was like, man, you owe me wisdom. Bah, you owe me the security of having a father there at home. You owe me that. Like, you can't pay that back to me, but that's what I feel you owe me. You, you owe me wisdom. You owe me the security of having a father there. And so... All of this is happening. So I'm writing, I'm writing this out. And I get to the, the, the back of the boat. I don't know if that's the bow of the stern. I think it's the stern, but whatever. I, I get to the edge of it, and it's late at night, and I'm standing there. And God had spoken to my heart earlier before, and he said, Edwin, your sin is in the sea of forgetfulness. You know what that means? That doesn't mean that God doesn't know what I've sinned or that God can't remember what I've sinned. That would mean that God didn't know everything. It's saying that God will never bring it up. That's why forgiveness, oh, forgive and forget. Yeah, don't say that. You can't forget. But I'm not going to bring it up again. And God promises never to bring it up again. And so that word came to me. God, uh, God said, you know, Edwin, put it in the sea of forgetfulness. I'm in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. This is perfect. And so I have the letter in my hand. I go to the back of the boat. The boat is cruising fast. You can feel the wind on you. It's in the middle of the night, and God says, let it go. And I go, no. No. If I let this go, they're going to think it was okay. 
that they did what they did. If I let them go, if I let this go, it's going to get them off the hook and it's going to leave them free to do it to me again. If I let it go, it's all I have. All I have is this resentment that I'm holding on to. And so God said, Edwin, I know, let it go. I can't. And so I just stood there and I cried 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 and I cried. God, you know what they did to me? This isn't right. forgave me all of my sins and he had a moment in time that he could reach back to and see see, you see the cross Edwin I've forgiven you on the cross I want you to create another memorable moment so that when the Satan comes up in your mind and says you haven't forgiven you can remember oh yeah sea of forgetfulness so I was there it felt like days man I was there, my feet started to hurt, and I was there, and I couldn't let it go. God said, forgive. So, I let it go. And the stupid paper hung in the air for like a minute. (laughs) And as I saw the paper, I started to think to myself, you know, that's exactly the way that's been. I've just held on to resentments even when I wanted to let them go I couldn't let them go but you know after a minute or so the lights in the back of the boat it just got swallowed up by the darkness by the darkness and so every time I get upset with those four people every time I remember I go, no, that's in the sea of forgetfulness. Every time those same people, I remember, and I had two people, I'll tell you, it was my dad and it was a guy who sexually abused me when I was young. I remember one day, I was walking across the street, I had gotten out of the house and had gone, and right there, you know, there's a stop sign right there. He was in the passenger side. I couldn't believe it. I saw him there and I froze. You know what he did? He stuck his tongue out at me. I couldn't even breathe. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I wanted to cry or scream or run. Just all those anxieties came back. He he doesn't want my forgiveness. He doesn't think that he did anything wrong. I got to forgive. I got to be free. And so when moments like that come up, I can go, no, 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 no. I am not going to be in bondage with you anymore. So what I did was before I threw that piece of paper, God said, Edward, I want you to close these accounts. And so you know what I did? I wrote this down. I really wrote it in huge letters. I said, debt canceled. Then I wrote, you don't owe me anymore. That's what I want you to do. You have in your hand a piece of paper and it says the names of the people and you can write down. Now, here's what we're going to do. The the team is going to sing. Here's what you're going to do. This is a sacred moment. Sacred moment. What I want you to do, if you haven't had the opportunity, I just want you to write the names down. Write it now, even as I'm talking. Of those who have harmed you, those who have hurt you. If you have enough time, write down what they owed you. You owe me purity. You owe me security. You owe me, you owe me a happily ever after. You owe me my first marriage. You owe... Whatever. I don't know what it is. I don't know. But listen to me. Write it down. Write it down. Some of you have already done it. It's cool. Then I'm going to give you that creative moment that you can remember for the rest of your life. You know, when, Jesus, when, when you sin and Jesus and the Satan accuses you of, Satan accuses you to Jesus about your sin, Jesus reaches back to a place in time, Calvary's cross. He says, no, 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 remember that day? I forgave them. 
today, what I want you to do is I want you to put it on the cross so that when Satan comes back and says, ah, but look at what they did to you, you go, no, 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 I've forgiven them. So with great passion, I want you to just punch through. Just punch the paper through. And if you need just a minute to pray, what I'm going to have you do is if you want to just pray in this corner and in that corner and around the bend, but I want you to leave this free. And maybe someone, uh, we're going to try to get some people to, to you to pray for you. But this is a holy, sacred moment. You can be free. You don't have to hold on to it anymore. Listen, they don't owe you anymore. You can just put it on there. Whenever you're ready.